John the Baptist, we started looking at him last week in John, uh, Matthew chapter 3, and uh, <clears throat> this whole idea of preparing your heart, really, that's kind of what, what John's whole ministry and mission in life was, to prepare people, to prepare people's hearts for what? For Jesus, yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. He, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the kingdom of heaven was near, meaning that Jesus was like right there. He was on the spot. And, you know, he was the forerunner to Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus, for the world, and, and even for you and I. And, and for us to kind of change our mind and, and change the direction of the, of the focus of our hearts and lives to turn to Jesus Christ. That was what his whole thing was was and, and it's just as applicable, applicable today as it was then, that the kingdom of heaven, uh, the gospel of Matthew, uh, Tony mentioned in his prayer, the gospel. We're looking at the gospel of Matthew, and that's the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom where the kingdom of heaven, where heaven rules and reigns in our lives. And, and, and yeah, it's not just fine, like Chris said, but it's, it's real. It's true that we... Seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and all the other things are added. All the other things come into, you know, in their proper perspective, their proper place. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Change your mind and your ways. Change direction. Change your heart and turn to God. That's what repentance is because he's here. He's near. He's right here. He's right there wherever you are. He's right there at your house at night when no one's there. He's right there in your, in, you know, in your, in your bedroom when, when, when things are just empty and, and falling apart. He's right there, the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Turn towards him. He's right there. John the Baptist, he talked about you know, preparing the way and making straight paths and, and this idea that if there's any obstacles in the way between you and there may be some kind of obstacle, get it out of the way. Just do whatever you ta- it needs to, to, whatever it takes to get it out of the way so that you can have a straight path to the Lord. Anything that hinders, when should we do that? Well, how about now? We could take some time right now and, 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 and just, uh, I think, maybe even as we're thinking about this, take some time right now to, to, to kind of evaluate where are you with the Lord? Is it, are you in the, heading in the right direction or is it just kind of blah? Like that. What about now? Turn to him. John the Baptist. Look at verse 11 where we left off. He goes on. We kind of, we kind of interrupted it in the middle of his whole um, uh, you know, talk there when he was talking. He actually he started talking to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these real religious people there. In verse 7, and, and he called them a brood of vipers. Why? Because their motives were just, they were insincere. They were there, but they really, they were insincere. Their hearts weren't there. They were there to, to kind of check up on this guy and find out what was going on and, and, and report back or whatever, but, but they really, their hearts were, were not there, and John could see it just looking at them. We can't see it, but, but the Lord sees each one of our hearts. But he, he switches from there, and in verse 11 now, he talks back to the people, the people whose hearts were right, and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He, he. Again, John the Baptist was a forerunner to Jesus Christ. He was preparing the way for Jesus. So he's saying, now listen, this is the guy. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's not on some ego trip where he says, listen, you got to listen to me. He says, listen, I'm only here to point you ahead to someone else. I'm only here to point you to Jesus Christ. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This, this you know, step, kind of a first step, really. Repentance, you know, we, we, we talked about that already. This first step, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, a baptism of wa- in water. It, did, did that baptism um, earn those people anything? When they went and got baptized by John the Baptist, they could say, wow, dude, I was baptized by John the Baptist. That means that, you know, I've got a special place. Sometimes we think like that. Well, I was prayed for by Bob. You know, wow. You know, we got this thing. Well, and it's not about that. It's what, it's what the heart was when that person came to be baptized by John the Baptist. A lot of people, you know, we're getting ready to take this trip to Israel, but a lot of people, they, they're baptized already. And, I, and I, I, don't, I sort of get this, but I don't sort of get this. But they go to Israel, right? And they said, I want to be baptized in the Jordan River. I guess that's okay. Is that okay? I, I, but you were already baptized, right? Wasn't it? It's not where you were baptized that it was the Jordan River and the muddy little Jordan River. It's what your heart is. It's what, it's what the direction of your heart. And John says, I baptize you with water or in water for repentance. And it's kind of like a first step. And it's a good step and it's an essential step. This sign of repentance that they, they came up and they said, you know what, I, I, I like... I hear your message, John, and I want to do something. I want to go that direction, and my heart's, you know, making this turn towards God. So baptize me. I want, I want it. I want whatever it is that you're talking about here. And so they came forward, and, and they, they had this, you know, it was kind of an outward demonstration of something that was really taking place inside. And we talk about baptism in the same way, that it's an, it's not, it doesn't save you. You know, some of us, you know, were baptized as babies. How many of you here were baptized as babies? Like most of us. Well, does that mean you're saved? Depends on who you talk to, I guess. But I don't think scripturally it tells us that you're saved by that. You're saved by believing in Jesus Christ. Salvation comes by faith. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross. And so, so this thing of baptism, and we believe in baptism and in water baptism. John the Baptist talks about you know, being baptized in water. And this word baptizo means to immerse and, and to go into the water and come up out of the water. And, 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 but, but it doesn't save us, but it's like us saying, listen, I want everyone around to know that Something's going on in here, and it's, it's a direction in my heart, and it's a direction that, that I'm facing towards Jesus Christ and the cross and what he did for me. We, um, we have a, a baptismal back here. 
You can't see it, but it's full of water. Not really. <laughs> Probably leaks or something. I don't know. But, but we could baptize you right now if you wanted to, but it would just take a little while because, you know, it's not full. But we talked, and, and we were talking the other night with the um, overseers about doing another baptism down at Goddard Park because we have Goddard Park reserved. You have to reserve it like over a year in advance, and we actually have it. But we're still, we, we say we still want to be here and have church here because it's important because we're here now. This is our home now. But to have a public baptism is a good thing too, right? And, and so some of you have, you know, been talking about it or thinking about it or whatever. And, and, you know, it's not like you just jump on the bandwagon like some of these people maybe were. Maybe that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees were some, that was some of their attitude. But, but to have this outward sign, the fact that there's something that took place inside. You see, you can have it take place inside and never do the baptism and you're still going to make it to heaven, Right? There's some false teaching out, a lot of it, actually, that, you know, unless you're baptized, you're not going to make it. And unless you're baptized here, you're not going to make it. And unless you're baptized in that tank by me, you're not going to make it. Cut that part out. That's all rubbish. It's rubbish. The thief, the thief upon the cross, right? He... he uh, he said to Jesus, what? Help me out. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and, and you know, he said, this day you what? Jesus answered, this day you'll be with me in paradise. But he wasn't baptized. So what happened? It's not, it's not the outward sign of baptism. It's the inward work in the heart of turning towards Jesus Christ, turning towards heaven where heaven rules and heaven reigns. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. Should we be baptized? Yes, we should. The last part of this chapter, which we might or we might not get to, talks about Jesus Christ being baptized, right? It was a good thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And if you, you know, maybe for you, it's like you're afraid or something, but, you know, it's like... We need to overcome the fear of what other people will think before we can truly live for Jesus Christ. If we can't live in, in, in taking a step of baptism, how can we truly live for Jesus Christ out in the world every day? If we can't, when we gather with our brothers and sisters, say, listen, I want to live for Jesus Christ. If we can't do it with them, how are we going to do it out there? You see, so many times, so many, many times in the Bible, publicly they were called to demonstrate what they had inside, right? Publicly, they were called to make a, a, a confession or a commitment or whatever. It wasn't all just go do it secretly at your home and, you know, secret agent, you know, Christian Joe kind of thing. Publicly. These people came publicly. This baptism of repentance in water. Have you been baptized? Some of you I know have. Some of you I might have baptized you. Doesn't matter who baptized you. I know the guy who baptized me. It wasn't even the pastor at the church. It was a guy, just a guy, one of the leaders at the church that I went to. Doesn't matter. All I know is I went down there in Mission Bay in San Diego, and I walked out in the water, 
And I, I, I said, I want to publicly do this. I want to show people. I want to show myself that I'm willing to, to take a stand. That song we sang, I'll stand for Jesus Christ. Have you been baptized? But the bigger question, of course, is that you've been changed inside. Is there something that's happened inside? Is there really something that's happened inside? You've got to know. You've got to be the one that, that, that deals with God. You've got you to work this out with God yourself. John the Baptist, though, he was pointing ahead, though, wasn't he? As I have said already, repeatedly, he was pointing ahead. He was the forerunner. He was pointing ahead to the Savior, the true answer. He said that there. He says, after me will come one who's more powerful than I. After me, someone is going to come who, who I'm not even, you know, fit to carry his sandals. He realized something, who he was and who Jesus Christ was. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 26. I'm not going to make you turn very far because uh, make it easy for you. John chapter 3 verse 26. says, they came to John. This is John the Baptist, right? And they said to him, Rabbi. John was a teacher. They called him a rabbi, teacher. He said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Talking about Jesus Christ. They came to him and said, John, we've got a little problem here. You know, we're trying to build up, you know, our fellowship. We're trying to build up our community, our congregation. And this guy, you talked about him, and that's all good and everything, but he's over there and he's baptizing. And now what? All the people are like going over to him. They're going to the other church now. And we really don't like that idea. You, 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 you catch the drift here? What did John say? Well... We need to put a little more guilt on them. We need to lock them in somehow. We need to tie them up with some kind of, you know, manipulation so they'll stay with us because that's what matters. Is that right? Is it all about just one person or another person, this preacher, that preacher? You know, they were doing that in, in 1 Corinthians, right? Well, you know, I follow <coughs> Apollos or I follow Paul. Or I follow Cephas. Someone knows, see? I follow all these different people, and so, you know, I'm a Cephas follower. Well, who, who's that? Cephas. John didn't do that, though, did he? Look what he says, verse 27, John chapter 3. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. John the Baptist knew it wasn't about him. It wasn't about any preacher. It wasn't about any ministry. It wasn't about any kind of, you know, radio, you know, program or, 
or any other type of thing. It's about Jesus. He says, I, I need to decrease. And, and he needs to increase. He must become greater. I must become less because it's really all about him. He's the one that we need to look to. He's the one we need to point to. If we ever start you know, going in any other direction, and I say this often because I mean it, that if we ever start going in any other direction where we're not pointing to Him and to the cross, then you need to go somewhere else. If it ever becomes about this building or about a personality or about a, you know, uh, image or reputation or anything else, go somewhere else, please. Because it's about Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to point to. He must become greater. You and I must become less. He is the one. Let's turn back to Matthew. He is the one. That's what John the Baptist said. He's the one. This voice out in the wilderness... This voice out in the wilderness after like 400 years of not hearing, 400 years of, you know, the silent, uh, the prophets were not speaking anymore, 400 years. And then this, this voice out in the wilderness, he's preaching, he's speaking, people are going out there, they're going out, they're confessing their sins, they want, they want this relationship with God. And John says, you know what, wait a minute here, it's not me. Wait a minute here, it's the, it's the one that, that I came to prepare the way for. It's Jesus. It's the Messiah. He's the one. He said there, Jesus, He. It says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John was going to baptize them with what? With water. And that's good. It was a good thing, right? It's a, it's a good thing to be baptized in water. We've already said that. But John says, you know what? It's more than this. It's more than the water. You need more than just the water. You need something that's real. You need the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. You need God's Spirit to do a work inside of you. It's not just this getting in the water, getting out of the water. John the Baptist, man, this guy, he was, again, we kind of compared him last week to Joseph. Joseph, you know, uh, Jesus' sort of stepfather, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, quiet. You don't hear anything from him. John the Baptist, man, this guy is like preaching it up. But he said, there's another guy coming, and this guy, this is the guy you want to listen to. Me, for me, it's just like water. For him, it's like, it's like radical. It's like fire. It's like the Holy Spirit himself. This is the real thing. What we have is just like getting you ready for the real thing. And that's what he said. He's going to be the one to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There was more than what John had, and it came from Jesus. John just immersed them in water, but Jesus would immerse them in the Holy Spirit himself, in God himself, and in fire. Turn with me to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 19. Interesting little passage here. Acts chapter 19. You all know where Acts is? A-C-T-S, Acts 19. It says in verse 1, look at Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos, one of these guys we mentioned earlier, was at Corinth, 
Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, they weren't, they weren't listening to the whole message of John the Baptist. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Yes. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. See, they had like partial information. They didn't have all the facts. They didn't have all the information. It was good what they did, and, and they were, they're called disciples, it says here. He found some disciples. They were followers, but they didn't quite get the whole picture that, hey, wait a minute. And Paul said, you know, Paul was a guy, he wanted to teach people. He wanted people to have everything. He talked in one place, you know, I long to come to you so that I might be able to give you, you know, uh, uh, some spiritual, you know, blessing, spiritual gift for your life to be, you know, encouraged. And it says, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They, they, Jesus was the one they, were, they needed to be baptized into. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. And, and, and so what happens here now is Paul, not only did he baptize him into the name or in the name of Jesus, he prays for them as well, and more of the Holy Spirit is, comes upon them, and they speak in tongues, and, and radical things happen. They prophesy, and you start to go, oh, no, wait a minute. Don't start talking about all that stuff now. I'm not talking about I'm just reading the verses here. Right? Who? Holy Spirit. Who? John baptized them in water. Jesus would immerse them or baptize them in the Holy Spirit. This is what John the Baptist said. We can't just ignore it and say, well, because some weird things happened in that other place over down the road, we are just going to like X that part out of my Bible and experience in life. Right? Do you want to do that? That's like these guys saying there. They were there like, oh yeah, we're baptizing John, and like, we, we just we just look at the water, we think about going in the water and coming out. And that's our whole existence: baptism, repentance, and water, and John. And it's not everything, is it? You know, I'm not going to give you a whole long diatribe about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, though I could. But, but my, my heart and my, my feeling about it is, is that I want everything that God has for, uh, for us, for me. Yeah, there are a lot of weird things that have happened in the church, church, quote, unquote. There are a lot of weird stuff that's gone on in the past. I've been to a lot of it. I've seen a lot of it. I see it on TV sometimes. But the fact of the matter is, through the Old Testament, let me quote to you some verses. In Isaiah, the Lord says, I'll pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. Ezekiel said, the Lord says in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and will move you to follow my decrees. 
and be careful to keep my laws. That's what Chris was talking about, that, you know, the, that the Holy Spirit would move you to want to follow Him. Joel said it, and he talks about the last days in Joel. He says, afterward, after a whole bunch of stuff happens, he says, I will pour out my Spirit on all, pe- on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Do we not want what John, what, what John was talking about, what Joel was talking about here? Because of some, you know, unbalanced and, you know, crazy and wild stuff somewhere? John the Baptist, he says that, that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus himself said that he wouldn't leave us alone. He said, I would ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus Christ himself coming to us through the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God. This is exciting stuff, folks. This is not boring. This is not scary, depending maybe you've been to some place where you truly got scared. I've been to some places where it just got downright scary or downright weird. But you know the saying, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater? That's kind of a weird picture, isn't it? But it's true. You know, just because of some, something that happened somewhere, do we throw it all out? No, man, we, we need everything that God has to give. We need God's Holy Spirit. I believe in all of it. I want all of it. I, I, I need all of it. I need all of what God has to give. I pray, God, fill me again with your Spirit. God, do something with your Spirit. Work in me. Change me. I don't want to be the same like we sang that song this morning. I don't want to just stay the same. I want the Spirit of God to work in me. This is biblical. This is not extra biblical. This is biblical. He, John the Baptist, says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yeah, there needs to be balance. Yes. You know, we studied um, a long time ago, 1 Corinthians and, and chapters 12 through 14, you know, all about the gifts of the Spirit there. But in the middle of, of all of that is what? In the middle of chapters 12 through 14 is love, the fruit of the Spirit. It's no good, Paul says, to have all the gifts of the Spirit and no fruit, no love. It's a, it's a, it's a waste. And we see that, and we can see that. But we need both, don't we? We don't say, well, I just believe in the fruit of the Spirit. I don't believe in gifts of the Spirit. I don't believe anything, you know, that the Spirit of God's doing anything different. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is he doing? I believe he's working even right now, isn't he? The Holy Spirit is working right now. Through his word, by his spirit, in hearts, in minds, in lives. He's working in Chris's life. We heard it. The Holy Spirit was working in him. It wasn't Chris that just said, you know, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to like become a real Christian. No. The Holy Spirit began to work in him saying, Chris... Hey, Chris, you know, kind of tapping him on the shoulder. Chris, is this really enough for you? Is this really enough for you? Is it, is fine good enough? 
He says he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Someone said this, for those who believe, the fire is positive. But for unbelievers, the fire brings awful judgment. Let me say that again. For those who believe, the fire is positive. But for unbelievers, the fire brings awful judgment. For the believer, fire is like, is like passion. It's like excitement. It's like God stirring up. And, but it's also this purifying fire, isn't it? Purifying, you know, burning off the ugly stuff and the, the, the dross, you know, trying to purify us. Someone said this, John Corson said this, many people want the power of the Spirit, but they are not interested in the fire or the purity. Both. The baptism, he says, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What is the, the fire going to do in us and, and some kind of bring some excitement in our lives? Is it just ho-hum? Or is it he, him? I just made that up. <laughs> Golly, must be the Spirit. Whoa. We could get excited, you know. I think we're a little bit too dull sometimes. And I take that, you know, personally because I think some of it's my own fault because I've been so kind of, you know, maybe locked up and, and, and tight. You know what I'm saying? But I think God wants to loosen us up just a little bit, not crazy wild. I'm not going to run back and forth to the door. Well, maybe I am. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You know, I'll go, wow, use that other mic so you can't move around anymore. You know, God wants to do something, stir us up just a little bit. Just a little bit, I believe. Can you, can you handle that? Can you deal with that? Or you just want, oh, let's sing. They used to say this in England. They used to call it a four, it was a three or four. A four him sandwich, right? A four him sandwich. You sing the two hymns, you have the preaching, and you sing the other two hymns, and that's it. And it's like, you're like this. You stand, you sit, stand, sit, like you feel like a robot kind of thing. Well, that's not who we are either, is it? Man, a little bit of fire is a good thing. But a little bit of fire is also going to purify and, 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 and maybe burn away some of, the, some of the ugly stuff. Maybe that stuff that is preventing us, keeping us from, from having that relationship with Him. But as I said... And the quote is this, for the other side, though, this fire of, for the unbeliever, in the last verse we're going to look at, because we're, we're running out of time here, he says that the winnowing fork, in verse 12, Matthew chapter 3, he says the winnowing fork is in his hand, he will, get, he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So we see there's a, there's a, there's a sense of judgment in this fire as well. And, and, you know, don't talk about that, man. You're, you're, you're really making trouble today, pastor. You're talking, about, you're talking about the Holy Spirit and all that. Now you're going to talk about, you know, that other place. There's, there's a, this, this breaks my heart, really. There's a, there's a church in, the, in our country. I think it might even be one of the biggest or the biggest church. They will not talk about sin. They will not mention sin, they will not mention hell, or they will not mention Satan. 
Well, just cut your Bible in half and get rid of it. Why? Because people need only positive. Well, you know, if we're going to teach the Bible verse by verse, what, what do we do now? Let's uh, jump ahead. Oh, we can't read, talk about that verse. Let's jump to the, oh, no, no, don't, no, jump ahead. Okay. Scary. It scares me to think that we could even talk like that. But, but he's saying here, he's talking about the fact that Jesus had something going on here. And, and there was a reality of judgment, a reality of a place called hell, which is eternal separation is what it is, eternal death. Jesus said it was a place where the fire never goes out. Jesus said that. And Jesus' whole, his whole um, emphasis in that place where he said those words was to do whatever you need to do not to go there. You know, if your eye bothers you, if your hand stumbles you, he says, do whatever it takes. Uh, let's turn to one more passage before we close in Luke chapter um, uh, 16. Luke chapter 16 gives us a little bit of a picture. Luke chapter 16, verse in 19, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple, and fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up, and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and, Lazarus, and, and, uh, and send Lazarus to dip the, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Wow, that's a picture. Jesus, why are you talking heavy stuff here? Why are you talking like this place, fire, hell, separation? You see this concept of separation here. What also is interesting, you also see this concept of, of awareness that, that the rich man was aware that there was a better place. And maybe that's going to be the worst, things, the worst thing about being in hell and separated is that you're aware of the fact of what you're missing. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm or chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. What is he saying? Once you're there, once you pass this life into the next life, it's, it's too late. There's no changing then. There's no such thing as like purgatory that you go to purgatory and you do, you know, a certain amount of good things and, and you might like make the, you know, the, the crossover. No, no, no. Hebrews says, you know, we were appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Oh, he's talking judgment again. I'm just quoting the Bible. That's all I'm trying to do here. 
He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will also not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. That's kind of a radical verse there, isn't it? Even if someone rises from the dead, who's he speaking about? Himself. People hear the message about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. He was crucified uh, for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead. And they hear those words, and, and that's not enough. He says, if, if, their, hearts, you know, if their hearts aren't going to be open to hearing the truth, then, then it doesn't matter what happens, what they hear, you see. But when I look at this, and yeah, okay, I've already made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, but when I look at it, and I, I see passages like this where Jesus teaches you know, very clearly, to me it doesn't seem like a hard choice, does it? It does not seem like a hard choice. You either, you know, you follow after Jesus Christ and, you know, and, and everything he wants to give, eternal life, his spirit, the fire of God, his, you know, immersing us in himself and, and, and life abundantly or, or judgment, eternal separation, the fires of hell. It doesn't seem to me like a hard choice. So what is it then? It's what goes on inside here. Where, where is our heart? Where are our hearts at? Crazy stuff, huh? Matthew. John the Baptist, he says, you know what? I baptize you with water for repentance, but there's a guy coming. His name's Jesus. He's, he's going to come. He's, he's more powerful than I. He's going to baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's the guy. He's the guy we come to. All-consuming fire. We're going to sing that in a minute. Why don't we go ahead and pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come and we, uh, <clears throat> we just acknowledge that, that uh, we don't have the answers. We don't have all the answers. But we've looked at your word and your word kind of points us in the right direction and it points us to Jesus and all he is and all he's done and all He has for us, and all He wants to give and to do in us and through us. And so, Lord, we take these few moments, Lord, just to, to humble ourselves, like that uh, worship song Chris said, a humble worship. Humble ourselves. Like John the Baptist, and say, I must decrease, you must increase. You must become greater, we must become less. We... We humble ourselves before the mighty hand of Almighty God. God, work, work in us. Work in this place, Lord. Give your peace here. Give peace into our hearts, Lord. We're desperate for you. We can't make it in this world without you. We can't make it one more day without you. Some of us maybe even are, are even considering ending it. But Lord, I pray you'd show that person that in you we can make it. And in you we can, we can go another day. 
walk another mile. Father God, we, we pray and we, we just look to you. Our hearts look to you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer of our, our hearts this morning, to Let you be king. Lord, I pray for any of you this morning that are still like on the outside going, what is all that, Lord? Show them that it's, it's, it's all you. It's all about you. That you loved us, each and every one of us, so much that you sent your son to die on a cross that I might have life, to be buried and resurrected from the dead so that I might have life. God, we... We pray that each person here would, would grapple that, uh, that truth, grapple with that truth, and, and would come before you and work this out, get this right, get right before you. Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.